Good morning. I'm Chris Lukey and I attend the 9am service. The reading today continues our series in 1 Timothy, chapter 4, reading from verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labour and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Saviour of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Hi everyone, it's great to be with you. If I haven't met you personally, my name's Pete Stacey and I'm the evening pastor here at Shaw Harbour City Anglican. When John and I were working out the preaching roster, I was pretty excited to get this passage because it has two of my all-time favourite verses in it. Uh, My goal is still to work through the whole passage, so please have an open Bible with you. Uh, But by the end, I'm sure you'll be able to guess which uh, verses are my favourites. So let's pray and ask God to help us understand it as we start. Gracious Father, thank you so much for your word. Please, by your spirit, as you illuminate your word to us, help us to respond by loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, What a joy it was last week to be reminded of God's goodness to us and generosity to us in so many ways and the importance of being thankful. And verse 6 reminded us of the wonderful benefits of good teaching, both, both for the teacher and for the listener. But as we heard in today's reading, verse 7 warns us again, and we've heard this so many times in this short letter, verse 7 warns us of the dangers of false teaching. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Now we all come across ideas and philosophies that are godless in the sense that they disregard God or blatantly undermine his word. Uh, That's why God says to us, have nothing to do with them. Uh, The phrase old wives' tales was a common figure of speech at the time. It sounds a bit offensive to our modern ears, but not at the time. Uh, People knew it simply meant all those kinds of ideas and stories that distract our attention from what is true and uh, important in life. Yeah, these are the sort of stuff you still find in a lot of women's and men's magazines at the checkout. Uh, pop psychology that has a skin of truth wrapped around godless views about life and, and how we should live it. And the trouble is, we so easily fall for that kind of stuff. That's why God says to us, have nothing to do with it. Now, we live in a culture that is steadily moving away from its Christian heritage And we need to be careful not to conform to the pattern of this world. And we need to guard our hearts from the subtle deceptions of our culture as well. 
Well, how do we stand firm? It's right there at the end of verse 7. Train yourself to be godly. Now, the Greek word for train is gymnazo. That's where we get the word gymnasium from. Like today, the Romans had a gym culture. They understood the value of intense, repetitive, programmed physical training. They even had personal trainers. So the metaphor works just as well today as it did for them. And here's the point. Spiritual health and spiritual strength and spiritual stamina requires training. It requires personal discipline with spiritual habits. Every follower of Jesus is enrolled in spiritual boot camp. Uh, the language here is individual language. Each person needs to take responsibility for their health and the vitality of their own spiritual life. Uh, of course, we find tremendous strength and mutual support together at church and in our connect groups because we're all members of God's household. But if I do not attend to my own spiritual health, I will become weak. And my weakness will then impact other members of God's family. And my weakness could even cause others to stumble. So important. Attend to our own spiritual health and life. And then one uh, of my favourite verses is next. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for this present life and the life to come. And verse 9 basically says... This is true, so get on with obeying it. It's great, isn't it? Physical training is of some value. It can maintain your health for a life of faithful and fruitful service to God. But there are two real dangers. Like all of God's gifts, physical training is a, a useful servant, but a cruel master. Now, some people don't see any value in physical training and neglect their physical body. And I know people who've had to leave their ministry as a result. Now, I'm not talking about accidents or sickness, uh, you know, the sorts of things we face in a broken world, but about plain neglect of their health. And then at the other extreme are people who tie their very identity with being in peak physical condition, looking good and performing well. And they're devastated when their dream crumbles due to accidents or injury or, or just age or sickness in a broken world. And besides, you know, physical training is only beneficial in this life. It offers no hope for the life to come. Well, what's the balance with physical training? It is of some value, but godliness Godliness, In other words, a life built on a relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. Godliness has value for all things. This is great news for us. Godliness holds promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is so good for us. Faith in Jesus gives us the promise of eternal life with God. That's awesome. But faith in Jesus also has immeasurable value. In this life right now. And think for a moment about the difference Jesus has made in your life. Our sins are forgiven. We have peace with the living God. The crushing burden of guilt is removed from our backs. The fear of death evaporates. We have the joy and comfort and the counsel of the indwelling spirit of God. 
He helps us to be godly. Our relationships with other people are enriched by godliness. We have a global family of like-minded believers. I could go on and on and on. Think for a moment. What are some of the ways the work of God in your heart has added value to your experience in this present life? Now, Paul is only telling Timothy to do what he himself has already done for so many years. Verse 10, that is why we labour and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the saviour of all people and especially of those who believe. Labour and strive. Sounds like hard spiritual training to me, doesn't it? And what's his motivation? What's driving him? We have put our hope in the living God. If the word of God is fuel for the fire of faith, then hope is the oxygen. If we forget that we are saved for eternal life, then we're going to live as though this life is all there is. It's all that matters. Elsewhere, Paul said, you know, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But we have the certain hope of heaven in the life to come. And that transforms how we live and why we live in this present life. Now, the end of that verse can be a little bit confusing. God, who is the saviour of all people, and especially those who believe, all it really means is that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient to pay for the sin of all people, for God so loved the, the world, all the people of the world, that he sent his only son. Uh, but it is only efficient or, or effective for those who actually put their trust in him. And so there's a danger in, in church for people to know about God, to know the gospel, even to be able to teach to others, but to never personally believe it and surrender personally to Jesus as their Lord in life and their saviour for eternity. Please make sure that's not you. Now from verse 11 to the end of the chapter, Paul strings together a stack of commands to Timothy. Let's see if we can pick them out. Command and teach these things. There's two straight off the bat. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. That's number three. But set an example for the believers, number four. Uh, set an example in speech, in conduct, in life, in faith and in purity. We could count that as five. Uh, we'll come back to those in a moment. Um, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. That's number five or perhaps three separate ones. Do not neglect your gift. Let's call that number six, uh, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Uh, be diligent in these matters, number seven. Give yourself wholly to them, number eight, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. That's number nine, or that could be two separate ones. Persevere in them. There's number ten. Because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul's given Timothy ten commandments, or 13 or 17 if you count all the different parts. Well, let's see what we can glean from all of these for our own benefit. He says, command and teach these things. Timothy is not merely to suggest these things or to offer God's way as one of many options in the path of life. 
command. It's a military term. It's a military kind of language. There's one way. Why? Because there's only one true God and he's made his will known to us. Command these things, Timothy. And Timothy is to teach. Friends, learning starts from when life starts. So teaching must make the most of all of life, especially those early years. That's why it's so important for Christian parents to model and teach their children to have a growing knowledge and love of Christ from their earliest years. I think one of the most devastating lies of the devil in parenting is the idea of letting your children grow up without Christ so they can choose to follow him when they are an adult. And it's no surprise that so often they reject Christ because they've learned to live without him for the most formative years of their lives. They learned that Jesus was irrelevant. Friends, the religions or political movements or philosophical ideas that have gained the most traction throughout history are those that have capitalised on education as the pathway to reform. That's why we as a church want to do all we can to nurture the faith of all people from cradle to grave. So important. Then he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Timothy was probably in his early 30s at the time, very young to be the overseer of all of God's people in uh, Ephesus, the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. Paul had committed Timothy to a massive task. Now, Paul is not saying that age is irrelevant when choosing leaders. Uh, back in chapter 3, he's already said that a deacon must not be a recent convert, uh, which would be often the case in a young person. Um, why? Because he may become conceited and fall. But when spiritual maturity and appropriate gifts are evident, even in a younger person, their age does not disqualify them from the role. There are risks, and so often there is opposition. But did you notice how these are to be confronted? Not by a forceful leadership style or by firm words or winning arguments, not by clobbering people with the first part of verse 12, but by obeying the second part. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. By doing this, you remove any basis for the negative opinions of others because actions speak louder than words. I love this verse so much that when I was young, because apparently now that I'm 50, I'm not young anymore. <laughs> when I was young, I developed a whole youth group leaders training program built from this one verse. Now I've got the time to share all of it with you. But let me just offer a few questions for each of these five words. Firstly, speech. Is it true? Is it helpful? Will I regret it on Judgment Day? What about conduct? Does this honour God? Does it point people to Jesus? If God was watching, would he be happy with what I'm doing? <laughs> Guess what? God is watching. <laughs> what about love? What really motivates me in life? Is honouring God my highest priority? Do I use the time, talents and resources that God has given me to serve and bless others? 
showing my love for God and others in, in practical ways. What about faith? Do I have a plan for my own spiritual health? Am I following it? Am I training myself in godliness? How can I encourage others in their faith too? And what about purity? Do I entertain false ideas or sinful fantasies in my mind? Do I crave worldly pleasure or give in to lust or pride myself in my own achievements and possessions? I like this one. You know, do I obey Philippians 4 verse 8? Great memory verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, friends, we'll just race through those questions. Can I actually encourage you to make time this week to watch this little bit again and just reflect on each question? That's one of the great positives about these podcasts. Maybe take notes and then pray about it. Ask God to change all of us to be more like Jesus. Now, the very heart of any spiritual training program has to always be God's word. Verse 13 is for all of us, and especially for leaders like Timothy, who are training other believers to be godly. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This meant that Timothy had to exercise and develop spiritual ministry gifts, specific gifts. So Paul goes on, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. It reminds you of that parable of the talents that Jesus told in Matthew 25. You know, the, the good and faithful servants, they put their talents that Jesus had given them to good use in life and ministry. And there was this great harvest as a result. But the wicked servant neglected their gift, buried their gift, and it produced nothing. I wonder what gifts Jesus has given you that you can discover, develop, and use to serve and bless of other people. In verses 15 to 16, Paul closes with a summary. Be diligent in these matters, he says. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Genuine godliness permeates every aspect of who we are and what we do and why we do it. It can't be hidden. People notice. Godliness shines like a lighthouse beacon into the darkness of the, the ways of this world. So we need to, as verse 16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul's summary is kind of like, allow God's word to just shape every part of who you are. And words like, be diligent, Give yourself wholly, persevere. It's that kind of training, working out at the gym kind of language again, isn't it? Go for it. Don't hold back. Train yourself to be godly. And did you notice in that last line what is at stake? Salvation. It's extraordinary. You will save both yourself and your hearers. You see, you can watch your life and persevere, but if your doctrine, in other words, what you believe about God is wrong, you'll actually miss out on heaven. Or you could get your doctrine right, but not live it. That would be eternally fatal too. But when we know the truth of the gospel and we live by it 
and persevere in trusting and following Jesus, we have complete assurance in his promises for this life and the life to come. Now, friends, before I close, I feel the need to point out that this whole passage is Paul addressing Timothy directly, this young leader over the church in Ephesus. So the language is very strong and, and direct. Um, but, but just because it's to Timothy, this leader, it doesn't mean that it's irrelevant for the rest of us. In fact, quite the opposite. The whole point of Timothy being diligent in preaching and teaching and focusing on the word of God is, is so that others can know and follow that same truth. Back in verse 12, Timothy was to set an example. Now, examples, they're to be copied and imitated like patterns for life. Uh, what's more, if Timothy followed Jesus faithfully, as we've just seen in verse 16, others will begin their journey of following Jesus too. So important. Timothy didn't begin obeying all the spiritual commands in this passage when he became a leader. It's the other way around. He was chosen as a leader because he was already seeking to obey them. It's the same in church today. When we're looking for leaders for any ministry in the church, at the top of the list is godliness. So this passage is really for all of us to help us see the kind of fruit that God wants to grow in all of our lives as we train ourselves to be godly. Fruitfulness in the Christian life comes from intentional faithfulness, persevering, training ourselves to be godly, no matter how old we are. Let me say it again, even more simply. Fruitfulness comes from faithfulness, regardless of age. May God help us to honour him in this coming week as we put this into practice. Amen.